probably have like 15, 20 minutes before, you know, I don't have a quiet space anymore. (laughs) Then let's do 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we can stop whenever. We have you here. We're going to have you here. (laughs) That's right. Lauren thought the recording session was over, but she's back (laughs) for yet another episode. An hour. (laughs) (laughs) So, Lauren, welcome back to Otterly Rad. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been so long. I know. That's right. So, for those who are not aware, uh, Lauren is at Better in Real Life on the Twitters as well as her website and uh, her podcast, Mm -hmm. which is pretty great as well. So, if you're a if you get done listening with this and you want some more stuff to listen to, pick up Better in Real Life on iTunes. Uh, check us out there as well if you'd like. So for those who don't know, Otterly Rad is a show where we talk about sometimes products, sometimes topics, or things in the news, different things like that that relate to families and kids of all sizes, kinds, shapes, and sorts. Uh, but the story I wanted to talk about is a little bit older, but uh, but we didn't get to talk about it on the show at all, and that is the Target Taking uh, taking out the gendered aisles in the toy section. Oh, so yeah. If you haven't heard about this, you know, for forever and ever, stores like Target have had a, a big boys' aisle of toys and a big girls' aisle of toys. And what they're saying that they're going to do is try to make that not so gendered. Obviously, they'll still put somewhat similar kinds of toys together. All your Legos are going to be in the same place, and you know, all of this kind of toy, that kind of toy but they're going to try to drop those labels a bit. Um, now I'm throwing this topic out at you without you all talking about it. So I will, um, I will give you my take on it and then you can tell me if I'm being too cynical about it. <laughs> I don't think this is, I don't think this is a thing at all. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think that it's great that they, they are giving sort of lip service to it, but that's all that it is because ultimately the toys are not changing. Like the toys are not different at all. There's still going to be all that pink stuff we talked about a couple episodes back, all right. the blue stuff people talked about a couple episodes back. I just, I don't see this making much of an impact on much of anything. Well, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. it's, if it's, if it's the manufacturers whose toys are being super gendered, then taking down a sign doesn't change the manufacturer's label. It just changed the, aisle label, which I guess can be really good if you have a child who specifically doesn't want to be labeled as such, but the toys they're buying are still probably going to be pretty obviously labeled. I feel like what would have been better is if they rearranged what's on their aisles. So Mm -hmm. instead of just taking off the names, if they were to arrange it by age and yes, and so then Legos would be with the other like four to 10 year old toys or whatever. And it wouldn't be a sea of dolls in pink and then a sea of, you know, dinosaurs and star Wars. It would be just by age. And that would be so much more useful for parents. Oh my yes. gosh. Buying toys for my nephews would be yes. so much easier if I could just be like, these are the three year old toys. Yeah. These are the one year old toys. I mean, the one year old toys are kind of, separated but everything else is just oh my gosh but the like color the hardest age range to buy for toys is two because you everything is like three to whatever or right right infant or toddler and it's not like you need and like they're not very coordinated anyway that's my (laughs) that's a side (laughs) rant of age toys but yeah i think i think it would have been way more useful just to 
just to rearrange your aisles. Don't color coordinate them. Don't topic base them. Just do it by age. Well, and so this is not me wanting to have a show where we just trash Target for 20 minutes. because. I do love Target. Uh, well, it, we can, we can find all sorts of bad things to talk about. I'm sure if we wanted to on that front, but I think what it belies is the fact that there's underlying systems here mm-hmm. that even a, a fairly big group like Target is not going to be able to change. You know, I saw somebody on Twitter not long ago, I think, talking about it might have been related to colors and clothing. I know that I sort of equated it in my mind to that conversation, but basically, her point was. You can dress your child however you want or do colors or whatever else that doesn't really address the underlying, you know, patriarchal system that's enforcing a lot of these stereotypes. And so by the same token, Target can take off boy and girl labeling, but they're also going to have to deal with the fact that they have agreements with manufacturers to have displays set up the way the manufacturer wants them in a specific kind of area. You know, or just again the to- the types of toys that are on their shelves that are what people say that they want. I don't know. It's a vicious cycle, right? It's hard. It would be hard for a big box store to just bring in what they feel like are sort of I don't know better products. That's fraught in a lot of ways. I mean, I um, don't. I guess I don't necessarily expect my stores to reflect all of my values. Um, maybe that's me being really cynical too, but I guess I don't expect the place I go to buy socks to necessarily, um, reflect all of my views on gender and the patriarchy because I, I would argue that there's a large group of people who want their stores to reflect their views and they're not my views, but there's a very loud group of people, I believe and I've seen in the media that wants to keep their stores. I mean, there's that whole thing about Hobby Lobby. Like, true. if we're talking about like, you know, now stores have the right to religion. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole gendered conservative angle on how we shop and how we live our life. Mm -hmm. That's not my necessarily my values, but right. Yeah. So is a part of that, I mean, uh, obviously we don't know this, so we're just kind of uh, chatting here. Do you think that there is that kind of pull because they're willing to sort of organize, boycott, be loud in the media, et cetera? Or are there other voices doing the same thing on the other side that are just not being heard? I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, people out there or people here, I don't think Target had much to lose in this. I mean, oh, it was a good PR move case, for that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Hobby Lobby, um, I mean, they, they've lost business, but they also gained business. I mean, I think in both cases, they were kind of net wins for them. Even when people boycott, the people when they see that kind of boycott going on against something they disagree with, they turn around and purchase their stuff when they may not have before. So... But there is like this false, this false value placed upon um, very clear gender lines that equal, like clear gender lines equal family values. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think these like big box stores or like the, you know, buy everything stores, the Walmarts, the Targets, um, that's their demo. 
I think that they are, they want, they need families to come in. They need them to do all their grocery shopping, all their clothes shopping and their diaper shopping in one place. Yes. And I, and even though if they just quietly like switched it up, uh, it, it probably wouldn't mean anything to anybody, but once it was seen as a statement, then it's like a whole conversation that I do, well, that they don't want. I don't I mean, think they want to have it. You could look at Starbucks over, yeah. <laughs> over December, right? I mean, that turned out to be much ado about nothing. And I, I, to be fair, I didn't meet anybody in person who was actually upset about that. I, and I, no I, one. And, and I know no. plenty of people who sort of would have a mindset or a view that, that could be offended by such a thing, but they, they weren't in that case. No, it was, it was pretty manufactured. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I think part of this too is that if, and I'm, I'm stereotyping a little bit here. So again, call me out if I'm, if I'm saying something wrong, but I think that especially families, parents who maybe are more liberally minded or think a little more radically um, are in addition to wanting um, certain types or having certain types of views that stores maybe aren't prepared to uh, work with or reflect. They're also the types of folks who maybe are not spending as much, be- whether that's because they have some sort of anti-capitalist bent or because they want to, you know, have more of a minimalist lifestyle or whatever the case might be. What I'm saying is that the dollars are not coming into those stores from people who want them to change in the ways that we would maybe like them to change. I mean, to a certain extent in, in this kind of, um, in capitalism, the way that you supposedly make change is through spending money. Um, and if we're not spending money as much as other folks, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm going too far with that. I think most people in, in my liberal circle spend an equal amount of money at Target as my more conservative friends would spend. I, I can't see there being much of a difference in their shopping carts. I, mean, I would say liberalism is actually like a privileged point of view. Like a mm, that's a fair point. Like a socioeconomic privilege. Yeah, I mean, but looking at how I'm also stuff lazy. costs at Target. I mean, Target's <laughs> yeah. expensive. If you're looking for cheap, Target's probably not going to be your first choice. I mean, well, except for like Target brand diapers. Yeah, great. This is true. And like Target wipes. <laughs> but you know, really, like, if I was like, okay, I'm going to boycott every. Oh, God, it's just so exhausting to boycott everything, all the things. Right. I it's just really can't. Like, I mean, I have even, oh, I've even taken some liberal guilt and I have eaten at Chick fil A. I have. Oh, I have eaten at the waffle fries. I can't always say no to the waffle fries. I'm, I'm a terrible person, but I'm like, I don't know that my waffle fries make that big of a dent and so it's hard it's hard because it's hard. even though i really do <laughs> rail and rail and rail right. in certain things i just try to i it's exhausting to have a family and to also <laughs> try to change the world in a dynamic and way. not eat a chicken sandwich it's too much <laughs> sometimes but but it's just like it starts at home right like so i'm trying to, so you don't have Chick Fil A in your home? No, it's it's shame eating in the car, Haley. Right, right. No, no. I have hidden the Chick Fil A bag before I came home, <laughs> and I you're like, like I trying to get it off your clothes. I didn't. No, no. So I, I think what I'm hearing though is that it's about picking 
picking your battles, staking those few claims that you're really willing to sacrifice for, whether that's spending a little more if you're able to or not consuming something if that's something that's important to you or whatever else. Now, I again, I fully say this as a vegan, which is largely a socioeconomic you know, uh, privilege as well. It's certainly possible to be vegan without it, but it's a lot harder. So, I mean, I, I'm conscious of that, uh, of saying that, but I think there are much smaller battles that we can all choose to um, take on, you know, and they can be, they can take a lot of time or a little time, and they can take a lot of money or a little money. But I think staking those claims and, and again, trying to set up our homes in a way that um, reflect that, you know, we may not be able to get a store to reflect our values, but hopefully our home can a little bit. I, feel I mean, like it's better to, or it's easier or more attainable to support something that I really think mm-hmm. is making a difference versus. Yes take my business elsewhere. I mean, that, that is like some kind of laziness on my part. Like it would take more work for me to try to figure out where to buy all my thingies, but yeah, supporting a game like, um, that engineering game, Goldie, Goldilocks or something. Goldie blocks. Goldie blocks. Yeah. Supporting them or, um, you know, doing, doing, um, non-disposable diapers and things like that, like seem more, attainable and doable on, on my own little family microchasm level yes. than you know, trying to write letters and change things. Yeah. And I, I feel like on that same note, it's, I feel like it does uh, the, the bigger impact to do something like that. Like, I feel like if I don't go to, let's say target tomorrow to buy something when I normally would, I kind of feel like target would just be like, Bye, Felicia. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, I didn't spend twelve ninety nine. Like, they, it's not enough to make any sort of impact on their bottom line at all. Really, I mean, well, maybe so, again, that's really cynical. But unless like every single person out there decides to not do that, I, I, which basically goes back to boycotting, which is just exhausting. <laughs> it, well, it's it, just it's, uh, it seems so I, pointless. I'm, I'm going to push back on it a little bit only to say that when you have seen change in the marketplace, it tends to come because people are buying alternatives that become profitable for people. Mm -hmm. So a a prime example of this is looking at, and this is, again, a really weird topic, but like, quote unquote, organic foods in stores. Mm -hmm. Now, are they all really organic in the way that we might think about it? Probably not. But that label has shown up a lot of places because people were buying it. Again, that's a socioeconomic thing. It became sort of a fad. It became a big deal. And so people then, stores started carrying it because they knew they could find people to buy them. I think that something like uh, Goldie Blocks is a really interesting example because if more toys like that are funded, whether that's through things mm-hmm. like Kickstarter or people buying them online or whatever, you're going to start seeing more stuff like that in stores. Because they know, oh, well, Goldilocks sold however many, you know, copies or, oh, this game was, you know, made millions of dollars on Kickstarter or whatever. And you've seen some of those start to show up in stores because they know they'll sell. But likewise, I don't think that you hear about many places going under because of boycotts these days, because I think people's attention spans are so short, mine included, that 
sustaining something like that for the long term, it, it just doesn't happen, it feels like. Well, and to Lauren's point, it's hard to, it can, it can sometimes be hard or impossible for people to speak with their dollars. Right. Yeah. Because they're, it's just, it's not something that they're able to do, which is a whole problem with that whole thing in the first place. Oh yeah. It's a big problem with the, you know, sucking up of the small businesses with the giant businesses. And then where do you go to shop? You have nothing. Exactly. Right. I can't. To do shopping in you know six places. Oh, <laughs> like, God, what is horse and buggy times? Like what are we doing? <laughs> right. In <laughs> horse and buggy times, some of that stuff could have gotten delivered to your house. I should just make my own. That would take me less time. Hey, some and again, some people go that route, but uh, you're not a <laughs> DIY show in that respect. <laughs> no, I mean, utterly. We make our own podcast. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> utterly rad preppers. That's what I think. Yes. Listen intently as Haley grows one tomato all summer <laughs> oh, and then cans it. <laughs> we could have put it with our one broccoli <laughs> that we had uh, this fall. That oh, been We're self-sustainable really if, if you're an ant. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't want people to leave this show thinking either that you know, we are bad people or they are bad people for not being able to like step up to the plate on all this stuff. That's not the point of this. No, no, no. But even the whole like liberal guilt thing, I think is such a, a disappointing thing that happens, you know, and I understand why it happens, but I think we need to try and give credit and focus to the things that we feel are important enough and practical enough that we can actually do in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Change starts at home. Do what you can. Change. That's right. So, um, visit us at soundcloud.com slash otterly rad or catch any of us online, uh, on Twitter and tell us about the stuff that you are doing in your house to make change. And if you think that would be a really interesting thing to know, (laughs) if you've sustained a boycott for longer than like two weeks, we want to hear about it because I'm very intrigued that anyone could do that. (laughs) You are like the Olympic sprinters of, or the Olympic marathon runners, I guess, of, consumption social activism (laughs) so send your your epic boycott stories to at we hermione on twitter and uh you can catch catch the show at otterly rad on twitter i'm at just nathan and lauren is at better in real life and uh until or better in real life does it have one l one l across the board that's important that's important. important That's just redundant uh, with two L's. Let's be weird. Is there is there a rogue better in real life with two L's out there? I don't there? know. That, <gasps> now that you've said is. it, there will be. <laughs> yeah. That's, this is the thing. This is cereal all over again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, everybody, uh, keep making change in your own homes, and uh, hopefully you'll stay utterly rad.